the Sideways, Book One, Awake, written and narrated by Andy Havens. If you're enjoying the podcast or you've enjoyed the written book, we'd always appreciate a share on your favorite social network. That's www.the-side-ways.com. Thanks for listening. Chapter 4, Part 2 Kendra walked out of the library, into the sunshine, and into a world she... understood. Finally. Finally. The ordeal of the librarian's way had occupied her thoughts entirely, and then she had been so busy trying to worm any kind of useful information out of Mrs. McKee that she hadn't really taken a moment to stop and absorb her new understanding, her new senses, her new sight. Kaolin beside her, she stood quietly on the steps of the library between the lion statues and saw them for what they were. Lions, golden and rippling with sleek muscle, glowing in the late morning light with gentle heat waves rising off their sides as they breathed, turning their heads first to the left, then to the right, sometimes looking up, sometimes down, stretching and shaking their manes. One of them turned to look at her, satisfied that neither she nor the Greenman was a threat. It went back to its, his, observations. Across the street a flash of color caught Kendra's eye, and she looked up to see a small boy skipping down the sidewalk in huge bounds, rising and falling slowly, like she'd seen astronauts do on the surface of the moon. The color she'd seen was a splash of rainbow light that seeped up from the concrete every time his foot struck. He had small, almost cherubic wings and was eating peanut M&Ms from a gallon Ziploc bag, grinning like a maniac. A moment later, a rather harried woman rushed out of a nearby doorway and raced to catch up with him, grabbing him by the elbow and almost pressing him back down to earth. She took the bag of candy from him and gave him a look that was half scold, half amusement. The boy licked his lips and smiled, and the two walked down the sidewalk hand in hand. Kendra barely noticed that the woman had four arms, the other three of which were holding shopping bags. She turned to face Kaelin and said, It finally makes sense. He smiled and was about to say something when a muffled voice from her backpack exclaimed, You can either let us out or I can burst these seams. It's getting a mite close in here. Kendra muttered, whoops, and put her backpack on the step next to her, setting it down to unzip it. A moment after doing so, Bran appeared beside her, also sitting on the step, with the crow on his shoulder. Ah, he sighed, stretching his arms out and rolling his head on his neck. Much better. I agree, said the crow, in a soft, vaguely accented contralto. Kendra turned her head to look at them and said, I'm sorry, it's just that this, she gestured at the whole world, it's so new to me, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't, it makes me feel, it feels right, suggested the crow. Yes, Kendra said, it feels right. Everything used to feel like I was seeing it through wax paper or trying to touch it through mittens, and I finally feel balanced. Bran patted her on the shoulder. Most reckoners grow up with the sight, almost all, in fact. Not having sight, well, that would be a kind of blindness for us. Some have more than others, and an unlucky few never develop it or lose it through accident or disease. 
It almost always leads to death. Why? Kendra asked. Without sight, it is almost impossible to walk the ways. If you are very powerful or very desperate, you might still open a way, but day-to-day -day life? Imagine being blind, deaf, dumb, losing your sense of touch and smell and taste, all of it. How would you know the world? For reckoners, the difference between life and death is, in many ways, sight. Kendra nodded, suddenly angry. And my mom has been drugging it away from me all these years? Don't blame her, the crow said. You should have been raised a reckoner. The fact that you didn't go completely crazy, or just die and wither, is a testament to your strength, part of which you got from her. Da! barked Bran. What a bunch of feel-goody shite. For some reason, who knows why, your mom and your shrink set you on a dangerous path. Lane is my half-sister, yes, but had I known she'd had a daughter after, well, after her first husband left, I would have stepped in. Kendra was about to ask about her father, but Bran pushed on, clearly uncomfortable with the subject and unwilling to pause. Being an untrained, unaffiliated reckoner, he continued, is more perilous than being a mundane. Whatever strength you have, it's yours. Don't waste another thought on your mother or any chronics you knew before. That's not a kind word, Bran, scolded the crow. Bah, Bran repeated, I'm not a kind man. And with that, he stood up, brushing off his knees and the seat of his pants. Kendra stood up, too, and put a hand on his arm. The short, burly man looked at her suspiciously, but didn't pull away. Please, Bran, she said. I'm grateful for your help, truly, but I don't know what any of this stuff about my mom or dad means. Bran looked pained and made a face as if he'd bitten into something sour. Then he seemed to make a decision. His face softened, and he took Kendra's hand in both his own. I'll tell you this much, lass, as you deserve to at least know the right names. Your mother was born Elenia Geary in the House of Release. We shared a mother in Release, but her father was of flux. So you have grandparents in at least two houses, which itself is a rarity. Growing up between two domains, your mother was more... flexible than many, and that led her to meet and fall in love with a reckoner of increase, Morgan White. Kendra piped up. My father? Bran shook his head. No, girl, that would be impossible. They were married and she took his name but when she tried to change allegiance to his house, she lost her reckoning, and he, well, he disappeared. My mom had what I have now, Kendra thought, and lost it. That would be awful, and it explains a lot. But why couldn't Morgan be my father, she asked. Bran kept shaking his head as he spoke, his voice low and gruff. These are not things that are spoken of in our world, niece. To change houses is, well very rare, and it often results in a loss of power, sometimes even a complete loss. Again, rare, but not unheard of. It's one of the reasons we keep to our own, and why having family in more than one domain can be, well, dangerous. At some point, you have to choose, and if you choose badly, he shrugged. You lose some or all of your reckoning, Kaolin filled in. That's right, Bran said. It's very rare, and it's not talked about except as a cautionary tale. In the case of your mom, crossing domains reduced her to... to a mundane. That kind of shock would have ended an unborn child. Which is why Morgan can't be my father? Bran nodded. That and the fact that if he was, Increase would have claimed you long ago. As we live so much longer than mundanes, reckoners are not as fertile. Children are cherished. 
and anyone in the houses would have been able to see your ability had it not been for the drugs you were on. That made Kendra scowl. So someone wanted to keep me from becoming a Reckoner? Maybe. Bran made a weighing gesture with his hands. Maybe not. Your mother went into the mundane world with no memory of the ways. A child by another mundane would have had some touch of power, as you do. But that would seem to her like madness. Many of those judged mad in your world, well, your old world, are mundanes with some reckoner blood or a touch of power. Kendra scowled and looked from her uncle to the Greenman and back again. But why didn't my mother's family, her domain, look after her and check in on me to see if I was... A half-breed bastard child of a broken traitor, the crow chimed in. Kendra gasped and was about to protest when Bran laid his hand back on her arm. It's harsh, but the bird saved me from having to say it. When you cross out of your house, it's like turning your back not just on family, but on everything. And her loss of reckoning was seen by many as just punishment for her treason. The Greenman spoke up. The ways are deeper than family, and broader than the world, he said. Both Bran and the Crow nodded, as if he'd said something from a book of Proverbs. It's time for me to go, lass, Bran said. I'm already late for, well, several responsibilities of my own. What should I do now? Kendra asked. I don't have any idea where to go, or... Maybe I'll see you later, Kendra, Bran interrupted. He began making a gesture with his left hand in an odd, circular way, it looked to Kendra like he was spinning something around on a string, but with no string, and no something. He kept doing that while he continued. Maybe I won't. Either way, glad I could be of help. If you find yourself stuck in a master's way again, don't call. No offense. But Bran, Kendra started to ask, I've got so many questions, I need... She got no further. A nice, expensive sports car pulled up near where they were sitting. A confused-looking man got out of the driver's side, looked up and down the street, and then started jogging away, clearly agitated, leaving the car idling at the curb. Bran stopped twirling his hand and used it to wave at the girl, the greenman, and the crow before getting into the car. Without another word, he gunned the engine and drove off. That was, uh... Kendra muttered. Rude, Kalen finished. You can't expect release to stay still for a moment. They're worse than children, the crow said. True, Kaelin agreed, but he's her uncle. He owes her more than that. He helped us both escape from the librarian, the crow said, settling more comfortably on Kendra's shoulder. For that I will be grateful. Once the old lady activated the librarian's way, Bran could see the chains that have bound me for a long time. And if he hadn't cast a way of attention, just as Kendra shook his hand, Monday probably would have noticed me leaving and tried to keep me there. "'What's a way of attention?' Kendra asked. "'It makes something more noticeable,' the crow answered, "'like shining a light on something or hanging a bell on it. "'How did that help you escape?' "'Well, Bran knew he was in the center of a domain of sight. "'It would be very hard for him to hide anything from Monday in his own stronghold. "'So rather than try to, he just made it more likely "'that the librarian would focus on something else.' Then he made us small enough to fit into your backpack, and there you have it, hiding by not being the most obvious thing in the room. Kendra nodded. Interesting, I've heard that called hiding in plain sight, but I guess this is even a bit more effective. It often is, Kalen agreed. There are examples in nature of creatures that change their habitat to appear different to predators, making them look elsewhere. 
Sometimes changing your environment works better than changing yourself. Quite, said the crow, and often easier. Kendra turned to look at the blackbird sitting on her shoulder. I'm sorry, she said, but I don't think I caught your name earlier. Things were a bit rushed in Monday's office, and I was glad to help you escape, but I don't remember if you introduced yourself or not. I did, replied the crow, but I am not hurt that you don't remember. You were under great duress. I am Tess. Some called me Tess Corva, even before I assumed this shape. I don't understand, said Kendra. Corva means... It means crow, Tess explained. For many years I was known as the Crow, the She-Crow, Lady Corvina, other names, many names, all the same bird. Why? Tess hesitated. That is a dark story, and one for another day, girl. Today we are free, you and I. You need to consider what you will do with that freedom. Kendra looked around again. Everywhere she turned, a few fantastic people and creatures were carrying on, walking, or flying, or crawling. Surrounded by more regular people, mundanes, she thought. Is that what the Reckoners call them? Yes, or chronics. Buildings spouted strange and in some cases physically incongruous additions. For example, the Starbucks down the street had a candy cane striped pipe about a foot across, curling out of its roof, spiraling up into the sky, finally disappearing out of sight hundreds of feet above. The street in front of the Barnes and Noble was paved in what seemed to be a kind of sponge. Everyone, reckoners and mundanes, bounced a little as they walked over it, though none seemed to notice. She turned and looked up as a person passed her by and saw that it was a woman in a beautiful blue dress that shone like mother of pearl, shifting and changing depth and luminescence as she moved, and that the woman had the head of an eagle. I have no idea, Kendra said softly, where to go or what to do. Kaolin put a hand on her shoulder. You need to choose a way, he said. You need to ally yourself to a domain and make it known. As long as you are detached, you are in danger. Danger? Why? Because you are outside the law, he replied. Kendra looked confused and a bit miffed. The law, Tess explained, governs the interactions between the domains. It has been in effect since the end of the last Reckoner War, more than 7,000 years ago. How, asked Kendra, can I be outside the law? I mean, I'm a reckoner now, right? True, agreed the crow, but the law adheres to the way, not the walker. It was crafted that way to discourage, um, gross and uncoordinated independent action, filled in Kaolin. Tess nodded her beak. That is a reasonable modern translation. Thank you, green man. Kaolin tipped his head in recognition. Tess continued. The law says, basically, that the domains may not prey on each other for power, that they may not do harm to one another in pursuit of gain, and that they may not conspire to upset the balance of power. That sounds very peaceful, Kendra said. Both the crow and the greenman laughed. Oh no, Kalen said, it just means that the mayhem goes on at a personal level, rather than being concerted by the masters and their ways. Individual reckoners are as prone to violence as mundanes. Kendra scowled, confused. But you said that the law doesn't, how did you put it, adhere to walkers because it's supposed to discourage independent action? If the law lets reckoners go after each other, isn't that, well, bad? It can be, said Kaolin. But it's bad on a small scale, same as with mundanes. Think of it this way, said Tess. Imagine that you could, without much effort, 
change the border between two countries, that you and a few of your friends could decide New York State is now part of Canada. That would be very confusing, yes? Kendra nodded. Now imagine, in addition, that you could also, at a whim, change the laws of Canada, making it, say, illegal to drive a car at night, or eat seafood, or marry anyone with a different color hair than you. That, Kendra replied, would be also confusing, yes. It is the same way with the law, continued Tess. You as one person can certainly decide, I will not marry a man with red hair, or I will move to Canada. But forcing large-scale changes on the rest of the world, that's very upsetting. And that was what was happening before this last Reckoner's War? Kaolin and Tess both nodded. The Greenman spoke up, saying, It was bad. Many hundreds of thousands of mundanes died, and hundreds of Reckoners. The earth itself was even touched, and some say if the war hadn't ended, that it could have destroyed everything, all people, all creatures, all life. They were quiet for a moment until Kendra spoke up. I guess I need a really, really basic introduction to the domains, then, if I have to join one, that is. I mean, I don't even know how many there are, or anything other than Monday is in the one of sight or something, and Bran was in, he called it release, and my mother was in, what did Bran call it? Your mother left release for increase, Tess said. Right, and you, Kaelin, are in what? Kendra asked. As a greenman, Kaelin explained, I couldn't be in any other house than Earth. He's a natural, Tess explained. I have no idea what that means, what any of this means, Tess said. But, she continued before they thought she was complaining, I want to learn. Kaolin looked around. Foot traffic around the library was medium-heavy as it was getting to be lunchtime. Why don't you and I get something to eat, he suggested, and Tess can... Tess, the crow said in a dreamy, faraway voice, can fly in the open sky for the first time in a few hundred years or so. Kaolin nodded. I understand your need. Will you be able to find us later? The bird nodded. Unless you are masked or within a greater way. And even then, she cocked her shiny black head to one side. I have some skills. When I have stretched my wings, I will find you. And with that, the black bird rose into the sky with a cry of joy so pure that those nearest the trio turned, looked, and smiled.